Bullshit. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, CEO and founder of Mass Solutions, the world's only no bullshit marketing firm. And I'm also the introductory voice for Maria Marhefka. <laughs> she doesn't like to do the open even yeah. when she's going to drive the entire show. Maria, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yes. So today we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, probably the biggest sporting event, one of the biggest sporting events of the year for in more ways than one. You know, a lot of people watch it for yes. the actual game, but a lot of people watch it for the ads in yes. between the play. Um, and it's surprising because a lot of the time when we see ads, everyone's heads, their heads are down on a phone. But I think yes. this is the one day, the few hours where people actually fully give their undivided attention to the Super Bowl ads. Mm -hmm. um, so to kind of kick things off, let's just put it all into context that for this year's Super Bowl, a 30-second spot is valued at $5.6 million. So it's a very large investment for these brands to be shelling out, you know, nearly $6 million for 30 seconds of, you know, the consumer's attention. But it's a big play for them. So what do you think? Do you think that that's a smart usage of a company's budget? You know, what are your overall thoughts of just the Super Bowl ads in general? To go back a little bit of history, the Super Bowl ads began to become huge probably in the early 80s. It's not to say that the first 15 or so Super Bowls that the ads weren't important. They were, but they became more of an event in the 80s. And I think the 1984 commercial, I think, aired in the Super Bowl, and that's one of the all-time, if not the all-time greatest commercials out there. You have the Joe Green commercials, the Coca-Cola commercials. But even beyond that, there's so many great ones. And I should even say the mid-70s to late 70s, because I remember the Joe Namath, Farrah Fawcett one, and I did the top 50, in my opinion, for 50th Super Bowl. So it's evolved over time, and once we hit with the Internet and the quick social media getting the word out, you saw that things were leaking. Mm -hmm. So what happened in the last five years is the brands saw that as an opportunity. Instead of worrying that a commercial leaked or something of that nature, the brands started to say, let's actually take this and make it even more to our advantage. So they started leaking or teasing them. So mm -hmm. now you see most of the commercials that are going to air are teased. And what that does is creates a buzz this week, like we're mm -hmm. doing, yes. and we've already done with our blog. And all across the country, people start teasing them. And some people even show the full commercial beforehand. So it's a different game. It's evolved over time, as it should, mm -hmm. based on what the technological opportunities are. So it has become even more of a strong thing to tease it and showcase it and then have it during the game and then the week after the game have it dissected. That's all great for the brands. Your question is, what do I think about it from a marketing strategy? Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great vehicle to achieve reach, to yes. achieve the huge amount of reach, and that's obvious. I'm not saying any of the people out there don't understand. It is limited to those people that can A, afford it, and B, primarily need branding. And that's why year after year after year, you see the beer commercials, most notably Budweiser. You see the soda commercials, Pepsi and Coke. You see things like this year, TurboTax, which has a little bit different. They not only need to brand, they need to kind of convince us to use this product instead of going to somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's why you see so many of those bigger brands using it for branding. Because, number one, most companies in the world can't afford a $5 million or whatever investment. Right. And number two... If you did try to sell one thing, it's going to break the Internet. And number three, 
it's going to do the most for your brand. If you do that commercial, it's remembered that you're strong enough to have done a commercial in the right. sequel. So those are my thoughts about the best ways to use it is obviously about the way it is being used by these big name brands who are primarily for branding. They're not business to business. They're business to consumer, mm -hmm. and they already have an existing brand, and they want to continue to keep that brand going. That's very true, and I think another aspect of that is if you're going to buy these ads, you pretty much have to have all of your ducks in line in your marketing play as a whole because, like, we've seen, like, I think, was it the 84 Lumber that really yes. drove a lot of attention? Well, that's near and dear to my heart because two of my uh, friends are involved with that, and Scott Morgan of Bruner is the president, and then Jeff Maggs was the chief I think chief client officer at the time, but he's now running the Atlanta office. And big congratulations to Jeff, who I've known for years and coached against his kids and so forth. Uh, they and a whole team of people at uh, at, uh, at Bruner put this together, and it broke the internet. It uh, achieved its goals of taking a regional brand of '84 Lumber and making it national, if not just for a day or a week or a couple of weeks, because they took a stand. They did a controversial commercial, they did a political issues-oriented commercial, and they did it well, which they are strong at high-end creative like that, got the word out, and they did break the internet. I just watched a video of Jeff Maggs being interviewed by the Atlanta Business Journal there, and it's a great interview, and it's just a compelling, humbling story. Jeff's just a good guy, a Western Pennsylvania guy, grew up in the South Hills, stayed, lived in various places, Bethel Peters. Etc. and now is living in downtown Atlanta. And he tells the whole story about how their team got together and brainstormed and knew they were taking this risk. And they did this commercial that was geared towards the wall. And it did lead to 84 Lumber and Bruner's websites both pretty much going down right. for a brief time. But we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to the video of Jeff being interviewed by the Pittsburgh Business Journal, not the Pittsburgh, the Atlanta Business Journal, and and maybe linked to the ad. But Scott Morgan, the president there, great company here in town, and, and two great uh, people that I know that are in my network. Absolutely. And I know that this year, um, WeatherTech, um, the CEO, is doing um, an ad spot. It's called Lucky Dog. And basically, the backstory of this is that his dog was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, and there was like a 1% chance of survival. And so he took his dog to um, the University of Wisconsin Madison Veterinary School, and they nursed him back to health. I mean, the tumor shrunk, I think they said, to pretty much nothing. So this year, he's taking that story and using it for his ad called Lucky Dog. It's about his dog, Scout, and he's using it to build awareness and financial support for that veterinary school. And I think that that's – we usually see brands promoting themselves, but I think he almost, like, hacked the system a little yes. bit. And I think it was really yes. smart with the feel-good story. Mm -hmm. But his name's attached to yes. it. So what do you think about that? I think it's really smart. And I think there's all kinds of value to it. And let's just say that uh, let's take the totally altruistic thing. If he's 100% doing it because he has the wealth to, to spend $5 million at on something like that and not have it impact his, his personal family and so forth, and he wants to do that to help this hospital that helped his dog, that alone is awesome because right. when you're the super wealthy, the uber wealthy, I'd rather you do something that helps others. And then secondly, let's admit that it's probably not 100% because 
because of that, because deep down there's probably a little bit, if not by him, his PR team at his company right. and his ad agency and his, his PR firm saying like, well, this is a no-lose our company gets mentioned because someone says, how could someone afford to right. do that? They have to be uber wealthy and they have to be a CEO. What it? company is he with? What's he all about? What's <laughs> right. the dog look like? What's this guy look like? And so it's just a really, there's wins all around for right. that. And I guess the first thing that starts it off with is you have to have enough disposable income that $5 million is disposable income. And that is crazy. And that's, that's the amazing. First, that's the good first point. So good for him. But then the fact that he's doing that for good and he's helping something that he believes in makes it just a good all-around play. So I, I, I don't want to imply them being cynical. I'm just saying the reality of it is there are other gains. There are big gains for his personal brand mm-hmm. and big gains for his company that made him enough money to be able to spend $5 million in that manner. I'm right, and big gains for Scout, who is saved by yes. the, the veterinary school. Scout. Yeah. Um, and then, so another kind of topic of conversation that came up this week was obviously there was the untimely death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter um, on Sunday. And so that kind of affected, and we probably wouldn't have thought about that initially, but that affected a lot of the brands pushing out their teasers this week because they were kind of pulling back the reins Mm -hmm. because every news station was talking about this and it might not have just fit. Um, And so there, I know, Planners Peanuts. True. We know that Mr. Peanut died, and you know that was their yes. ad, um, and so they're kind of pulling that back. They didn't want to maybe they're reevaluating, is what they're saying. And so why is he so? They that? just they just caught a, a horrible break. First of all, the horrific break is for all of us that we lost yes. a legend and a person that uh, was a great player and was charismatic, but also was a dad. And his daughter also died, and so did the seven other people besides Kobe and his daughter. So that's the first obviously horrific thing. But right. they just had really bad luck that their creative was of someone of their character dying and he actually dies from falling so I think they just were in a situation that they were trying to be sensitive right and so that puts them into where they've invested all this money and prepped for the Super Bowl and had to adjust on the fly and that's that's really challenging right and I think that they were also saying that even this Sunday they'll probably be maybe changing things around yes do you think that you know brands will you know, show their support of Kobe and his family in some way? Or what do you think about that? I'm expecting to see a whole lot of stuff Sunday from 8 in the morning till midnight tied to number 24 and to Kobe Bryant. I think you'll see something from players Mm -hmm. somehow, some way, before, during, or after the game. I think that some of his uh, sponsors where he was a brand advocate for, where he was paid to be, their influencer i think some of them will probably do some sort of tribute and i just think it makes sense right it's it's truly you know in my lifetime i've not seen anything like this where there's someone who was one of the greatest who died in a horrific tragic way roberto clemente was brought up to me and you know he's i'm a pittsburgh guy when i was a little kid four or five years old that happened but i remember you know all growing up my dad talking about everything but if you look at the case he wasn't quite to the level of Kobe as far as one of the top 10 to ever do it, mm-hmm. top 12 to ever do it. And he didn't have any kind of brand like Kobe because that was before branding, even though he was a great humanitarian. So I just think the recognition across the world, this is the first time we've ever seen something like this of such a young age and such a horrific, quick, t- untimely death that I think 
you're going to see all kinds of stuff on Sunday for it. Right. And I think, I agree, I think we'll be seeing, you know, these brands really paying attention to that. Um, to kind of round off this episode, now if Mass Solutions were in the position to have a Super Bowl ad, what do you think that ad would be about? The first thing is if we're in the position to have a Super Bowl ad, I'm not going to be around here much. <laughs> we've made so much money that I'm like, hey, you guys go do it. I'm just going to say the luck. final say on things. <laughs> the second thing is if we were going to do a Super Bowl ad, I would invest six or seven figures, probably seven figures into two things, our web situation so that we were able to handle the onslaught that we would get and our sales and customer service team that we're going to be able to make the follow-up calls and touches to the people that reach out because we would do a commercial around don't be a bullshit marketer. There are eight reasons that companies become BS marketers. We'll help you avoid all eight of them. And then we would very quickly, I'm making this up on the fly, we'd very quickly show law and order as reason number one. Number two would be wedding crashers. Number three would be Starbucks, Dunkin' Other. Number four, the social network words matter. And so on down the line with those madmen, Silicon Valley. You'd see all of these ones that are tied to our eight reasons. And that being in the 30-second or 60-second commercial would show people that, wait a minute, what do they mean madmen, Silicon Valley's reason number five? What do they mean the office is reason number eight? What, why, why is Will Farrow in there? What's strategery in there for? How's that one of the eight <laughs> reasons that company comes? I own a company. I want to find out my bullshit marketer. Mm-hmm. So that would be our creative. And then we'd get an onslaught. And you know, you and Benita and Marcel and Mike and the 20 people you've now hired under you or the 50 you've hired under you because we're now big and we have enough to spend on this ad would have to be scampering about to cover all that. Meanwhile, what I would be doing in the box at the Super Bowl, <laughs> I would have the TV on while I was at the Super Bowl because obviously I could afford that. Right. And I'd be hanging out there and I'd say, LeBron, come on over here and watch <laughs> this. And we'd go and watch that together and uh, we'd go and have a drink. Man. And then I'd text you guys and go, you guys ready for this shit? <laughs> Does that sound fair? Get red? I think so. Okay. I like how that plays out, definitely. Good. All right. So, I mean, Sunday, we're excited. We've, you know, we have a blog post, which we'll include in, include in the show notes as well, that kind of showcases the, the top five that we have so far. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more. So, I think there's going to be some follow-up content from us to kind of give our two cents on the Super Bowl ads. Absolutely. And as Maria always directs me, I'm now going to have to do the close for her. So (laughs) thanks for listening to this episode of the No BS Marketing Show recorded in our own studios in bold, beautiful downtown Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea and build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions. No BS.